Thank you, singers. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, deacons. Man, I've seen you here before. It's good to have you back. You know, to be a deacon in the Pioneer Memorial Church, you have to have gone to Pathfinders and gotten your honor and furniture moving. And, and they do a great job. There's a lot of moving parts here. But thank you, worship team, Leo and company. He is the everlasting God. That's what keeps us going. In the midst of this unbelievable pandemic, we think it's coming to an end someday. Karen and I got our shots this week, shot number one. So everybody we've talked to that's gotten this particular brand, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, says it's the second shot you have to be worried about. So pray for us in three weeks. So I'm opening up mail this week. Oh, my. Look at this. This is from the East Coast. Hey, isn't that something? The, the maker of all things loves and wants me. Yep. Good on you. Thank you. Then I opened up some mail from the West Coast. Bumper sticker. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Bookmarks. If you need a bookmark, I've got a lot of these. And I'd be happy to share one with you. What's the deal? Well, everybody's excited. I am too about this one universal truth, when it's reduced to a simple sentence, it simply declares the maker of all things loves and wants me. But today, we're going to put the pedal to the metal. We're about over this series. It ends next week. Don't miss it. It's a joyous climax next week. But today, if you get this part, by that I mean if you can comprehend what we are about to share, and I'm really jazzed about uh, sharing it with you, if we get this, we're talking, about, we're, we're talking about moving, sharing the truth, the maker of all things loves and wants me, to, to a militant level. Master this as the master did, and you'll never be the same. And neither will your little world be the same. So let's go. You are the everlasting Father, God. We know that. You are the maker of all things, Lord Jesus. We also know that. Make it clear what we are about to share. Let us get it. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So when the maker of all things was here, he mastered this himself. I'm going wa- I'm, I'm to watch him. Bringing down the strongholds. That's the title. Is that the title? Yep. Bringing down the strongholds. I want to run a picture by you. I'm going to shoot these by you so fast you may miss them, but that's okay because I'm going to go to only one gospel. I'm not going to go to Mark. I'm not going to go to Matthew. Let's not go to John. Let's just go to the single gospel of Luke and watch the master who is the maker of all things master this strategic maneuver. Here we go. We're going to start with uh, Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Beautiful baptism, Genesis, and sisters to friends in Jesus. Looking forward to that baptism this afternoon. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was, what's the word there? Now, this is not any sort of praying. You're going to find out. This is not any sort of praying. We can all pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. No, no, this is not that kind of praying. This is militant praying. You'll find out about it in a second. And he was, and as he was praying, heaven was opened up. 
The everlasting father responds and the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form. It wasn't a dove, but it looked like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Here comes the father. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And this afternoon, as he did it this morning, the same father announced, you are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. I love you. All right. So it opens up with this, uh, with this, wep- this militant weapon in the battle to share the good news. The maker of all things loves and wants me. Here's Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And what did he do often? He prayed. Here's Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the entire night praying to God. Mercy. Keep going. Here's Luke chapter 9, verse 16, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. What's he going to do now? He's going to pray. And he gave thanks to the everlasting Father and broke them. Two verses later, he's still praying. Verse 18 of Luke 9. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. I got to ask you right here. Wouldn't it be something if they had invented YouTube back when Jesus was here? Because wouldn't you love to watch a video clip of Jesus praying? How many would love to see that, huh? Jesus praying. Can you imagine the effect on you as you listen? His disciples are blown out of the water. You watch, they're going to come to him and they're going to ask him. Luke 9, 28, he took Peter and John and James with him. He went up onto a mountain to pray. How many times has he been doing this? Keep, keep watching. Luke 11, 1, here they come now. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place and one of his disciples said to him, Lord, I want you to please teach us how to pray. Just tell me, teach us how to do what you're doing. We're so moved by this. Oh, we got to get it. We're going to watch him. Here's Luke 22 now. This is, they've just finished the Lord's Supper. They're heading out the door and Jesus stops and he says, yo, wait a minute, guys, Simon, Simon, but he's talking to the whole group as you'll see, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, singular now, Simon. Oh, my. Less than 24 hours later, he'll be dead. This is three hours later in Gethsemane. Luke twenty two forty one, 41. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and he prayed. Tomorrow morning, he'll be on the cross. He will pray twice that we know of, twice in the Gospel of Luke. And here it comes. Jesus said it just before they raised the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. When he's talking to the Father, he's praying. Every time you call out on Abba, Father, you're praying. And he does it not just when they raise him, just before he dies. These are his last words. I would love to come to the end of my life with these words on my lip. Luke 23, verse 46. And Jesus called out with a loud voice. This is not a whisper. This is megalophone in the Greek. This is a booming shout. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dies. But not to leave Easter out. Late Sunday, he's raised. And he's walking down the road with two friends of his. They have no idea who he is. There was a mantle over his face, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe their eyes were so blurry. They're so heartbroken. They have no idea that it's Jesus. He walks that whole way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And he's, he's, he's going to walk on by. They say, no, 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 no. You got, you got, you got to come in. <laughs> you cannot. Friend, whoever, friend, you got to come in, please. Have a little supper with us. Spend the night here. You'll be on your way in the morning for a thing. And when he was at the table with the two of them, he took bread. He gave thanks like they had seen him do before. 
And he began, he began to give it to them. And in that instant, they look at each other, their eyes wide. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you ever seen, ever seen anybody do this? It's got to be Jesus. He's gone. Gone. Twelve times in the Gospel of Luke. The militant weapon. You say, well, Dwight, this is just, you know, praying before meals. Oh, don't you make that mistake. Whatever's happening here is hugely strategic. To a certain form of prayer, the maker of all things has learned the art. And he's now going to invite us to exercise the art. Could it be, here's the question, could it be that the war that you and I are in is a war that is, that, that is, it is shaped by rules of engagement. Now, every civilized war, and that seems like an oxymoron, civilized war. But every civilized war, there are codified and mutually agreed upon rules of engagement, aren't there? Like if you're, you're one of the soldiers and you got, that, you got that machine gun pointed down the road and somebody comes down the road, a whole band of people, and there's a white flag in the front, what are you supposed to do? Use that as a target practice? No, that's a white flag. What does that mean? They're probably surrendering. They're, they are unarmed. Let them come. Same soldier, you got that machine gun pointed down the road and here comes a white flag again, only it has a red crescent on it or it has a red cross on it. What do you, what do you automatically know? Medical personnel on the battlefield, let them through. The rules of engagement, the Gene- have you ever heard of the Geneva Convention? I, you know, I've, I've heard that all my life, but just found out this week in studying that it actually came into being in 1864, the Geneva Convention. You never, you never take a hostage out of a prisoner. You never kill a prisoner. If they're sick, it doesn't matter which side they're on, you will minister to their needs. Rules of engagement, every war. So here's the question. Could it be? That this militant praying that Jesus has just modeled for us is somehow crucial to the rules of engagement in this cosmic, in this, in, in, in this, this conflict, galactic, this, this, this global conflict we call the great controversy. Could it be? Militant praying is crucial. Oh, there is nobody that I know that has done more careful thinking on this subject of the rules of engagement than our friend John Peckham. He's a theologian that teaches over here in the Theological Seminary at Andrews University. He has written the very well-reasoned book, Theodicy of Love. I want to let him do a little teaching right now when it comes to rules of engagement. So, with your permission, I'm going to take you to where, where John wants to take us. I want you to go to the book of Job, please. Come on, you have your Bible here. We're going to the book of Job. He sees... He sees the rules of engagement in a way I had never seen before. I want you to see it. Job 1. Job 1. Everybody knows Job. Job 1. There it is. Okay, now drop down. Drop down to verse 6. So this story is going to unfold in front of our eyes, and we're looking for rules of engagement. What's going on here? There is a war going on. We're, we live in the midst of it. By the way, where we are assembled right now, the forces of both light and darkness are arrayed right here. You are surrounded with angels. Some are evil. Some are good. And they're both playing for your attention right now. Don't, don't let them hear this. Keep them distracted. Keep them distracted. Don't let them find this out. And the other angels say, shh, don't listen to that. You listen carefully. You're going to be given a weapon here. Use it well. Okay? 
So this is, this is Job chapter one, verse six. One day, let's put it on the screen as well. One day the angels came. Uh, by the way, this is a mistranslation in the NIV. God bless them. They meant well because they think that they own, they're only angels and human beings in the universe besides God. But the writer of Job, which I believe was Moses himself, carefully uses the words bene, which is plural for ben, and ben means son. So Benjamin is the, the, the son of my right hand. Bene ha Elohim. Sons of Elohim, that's Almighty God. He apparently has children all over this universe. Children. The sons of God came to present themselves. The children present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, because there's no name of Satan back then. We've turned it into a name. The Hebrew name, the Hebrew word is Satan. It means accuser. Satan shows up. Why? Because it is a heavenly council. Now, I want you to watch this. This is, this is so amazing. He shows up too. And guess what? He's allowed to show up. Rules of engagement, let, the, let him in. Let him in. They're still working this thing out. And he has a counsel to guide him. God does. Okay, next verse. And the Lord said to Satan when he came walking in, Yo! Have you seen my man Job down there? Any something? This makes you smile every time, doesn't it? I've never had a friend like Job. Why? Look at, look at. Oh, you haven't seen him? Oh, no. I, I, Satan says, no, 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 no. I know. I've been roaming across the earth. I know. I've been going back and forth. You can be sure I know who you're talking about. God says, well, then, come on. Tell me what you think about him. Have you considered my friend, my servant Job? There is no one on the planet like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Do you like him? <laughs> Satan shoots back. And this is the key verse. The whole book is based on this and the answer to this question. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Whoo, there's some rules of engagement happening here. We'll catch him. Does he fear God for nothing? Come on, God, give me a break. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. He's a wealthy boy. But now, listen, God, do me a favor. Stretch out your hand and you strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face because the rules of engagement so far have indicated that when a man is faithful to God, God will be faithful right back to him. And that man oftentimes will prosper and God will not withhold that prosperity. No, you stop that rule. I'm appealing. I'm appealing for a change in the rule. I'm asking you to touch him. I'm asking you to work him over. And notice how God responds. But the Lord said to Satan, very well. Okay. All right. Very well then. Remember, this is a council. Everybody's listening in. The intelligentsias from the universe have gathered in the throne room. Very well, then. Everything he has is in your power. But, listen to me carefully, on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Do you understand? I got it. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Amazing. The intelligentsia of the universe are having a council. There are obviously Rules of engagement for the war over planet Earth. And Satan has just said, I want to modify one of those rules. Peckham on the screen. John Peckham. Here we go. 
In Job, the Satan, all right, that's Satan, the accuser possesses power to work evil in this world as its temporary ruler. Yeah, you're right. Adam and Eve did acquiesce to your deception. You want to claim rulership of this planet? We will allow it on a temporary basis. You will not rule this planet forever. Read my lips. But he's been given the permission to consider himself ruler. But only... You're only going to rule within the limits that are openly negotiated and modified before the heavenly council. Everybody here witness to that? We got it. All right, you can go. Don't you dare touch him. You touch his stuff. And Lucifer's gone. Disappeared. Do you know what the greatest value in the universe is right now? The greatest value in the universe. What do you think it is? In the whole universe. You might be inclined to say love. And if you did, I'd say it wrong. Do you know what the greatest value in the universe is right now? Listen carefully. It's free choice. It has to be free choice. You can't have love, with, you can't have love without free choice. Love, in order to be genuine love, must not only give you the right to say yes, it must also give you the right to say, to say no. Free choice. That's a rule of engagement. God cannot force you to obey him. Satan cannot force you to sin against God. Neither one. They've agreed. They've agreed for this war. Human free choice must never be tampered with. Did you get it? Everybody say aye around the council. It's locked in. You cannot, you cannot tamper with free choice. Whoa. Rules of engagement. You suppose, do you suppose that would be a rule of engagement? I think it is. I think we need to put it down. There are only going to be two of these. The militant one is coming up next. But you have to start with this premise. The universe is operated on free choice. You are free to make any decision you want. And neither side can stop you from making that decision. Be my guest. Oh. So heretofore, Job has freely chosen to live in relationship with the everlasting God. God is immensely proud of Job. Man, have you seen my my boy Job? And by the way, I need to tell you, God is immensely proud of you. He has watched the withering assaults that you have endured at the hands of the dark forces of Lucifer. He has witnessed it all. And you stood there. You have held your ground. And God has leaned over to Gabriel and he said, hey, Gabriel... Isn't she something? She is something. Look at her standing. All the pressure of that moment, and she's still holding her ground for me. Keep an eye on that girl. Keep an eye on that boy. He's somebody. He's a keeper. Watch him. God is proud of Job. He's proud of you. But it's free choice value. The the numero uno value in the universe is free choice. And so when Satan walks into that uh, council room, haughty as he is, takes the empty seat for him. He says, I want to tell you something. Your honor. You know why the man is loyal to you? 
Because you have not given him free choice. Oh, yes, free choice is a big value in your kingdom. I understand that. We both agree to that. But you are not letting him exercise free choice. You know what? You're a sugar daddy. That's why. You are heaping your blessings upon him, and he is just reveling in all those goodies. Of course he's choosing you. You let me take those blessings away, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that free choice is going to mean cursing you and turning his back on you. You see what's going on in that council room? It's really a heavenly council. Job describes it as a council. The rules of engagement. Rule number one, free choice. God says, okay, take him down. Don't touch him. Satan comes back a few, who knows how long later. My seat's still empty. Yeah, you said you're the ruler of the world. Temporarily, we're giving you that seat. How to go down there? That Job man, any something? I told you. I just told you. He is not going to buckle. <laughs> Lucifer says, yeah, sure. You could touch the stuff around a person, but flesh for flesh. If you just touch his flesh, I'm telling you, it is over. He will curse you then. No free choice. God says, all right. He looks around the council. You okay with modifying the rules the second time? They nod. Here's the deal. You can touch him, but you cannot kill him. I have to have a witness speak up for me. You keep him alive, do you understand? Go. The rest of the book is what happens after that. Wow. Wow, what's happening here? Here's what's happening. Put Peckham on the screen again. These parameters or rules of engagement are the product of negotiation within the context of a courtroom dispute and might then be thought of as covenantal rules of engagement which are binding on both parties. Keep reading. These rules of engagement are not unilaterally set by God. Okay, children, here are the rules now. Number one, number two. Okay, everybody got daddy's rules? No, they are not. The intelligentsias are setting the rules in collaboration and in dialogue. And twice now, Satan has stepped in and said, I want the rules changed again. It's not fair. I want the rules changed again. These rules of engagement are not unilaterally set by God, but are subject to negotiation before the heavenly council. What's so fascinating for me is how John has spotted these rules of engagement in the New Testament as well. Places I never would have thought to look, but I'm going to run them by you so fast. We've just been in Job, but take a look at these. Okay, so here are some rules of engagement in the New Testament. The devil's claim while tempting Jesus, and we did the, you know, the lightsaber last week. We did the temptation of Jesus together. The devil's claim while tempting Jesus, hey, I will give you all this world's domain and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. You know what's amazing to me on this? Is that God lets it go. Okay? Okay? You're the ruler of the world? For a while? Okay. Here's another one. The, the explicitly arranged nature of Jesus' temptation, including the statement... When the devil had finished every temptation, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Watch this. When the devil comes to you, he cannot do this to you. He cannot come up to you and say, hey, you're going with me. You're on top of the temple now with me. Look down. I hope you're not, I hope you're not get, getting dizzy with heights because that's where I have you right now. That's illegal. You can't touch me. The devil cannot touch you. He can't walk into your room. 
pop the, 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 the uh, top off of that bottle of beer and hand it to you and say, come on, now drink. Come on. He can't do that. He can tell you to take the bottle. He can tell you to pop the lid. But he can't make you drink it. He can't put it in your face. Come on. He may use a friend of yours to do that. No, no, he's got, he's got allies. You've met him. But he cannot bodily touch you. But somebody's, somebody's revised these rules. He's got Jesus on top of the temple. The temptation number three, he has Jesus on a mountain. And he's done this wizardry so that he has an IMAX screen. And he goes like this. Watch this, Jesus. The whole world now. All the, the, uh, the, 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 the gutters, all the slime brushed out of the picture. It's just this gorgeous planet. And by the way, I, this, is what I, this is what I rule. You bet on me, you got it. That's what he can do. He can't do that to you. Take you somewhere. No, no, no. Somebody has altered the rules of engagement again when the incarnated maker of all things is among us. And now he's being bodily taken to places and then told to respond. God says, let him do. No, 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 no. Let, let him do that. Watch how Jesus will handle this. He said, the father trusts. He trusts Jesus. I need you to know the father trusts you too. He trusts you. Watch this. Hey, watch the girl now. Watch, watch. He trusts you. It's your call. Wow. Keep going. The demon's response to encountering Jesus, revealing time parameters. What business do we have with each other, son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Look, at we know how much time we have. Why are you here now? You want, you're trying to pick a fight now. Somebody has set some parameters of time. Wouldn't you like to know what those were? Keep going. The statement that the devil knows he has only a short time, Revelation 12, 12. How true. He knows what you don't know. He's out. He's running out. The fact that Jesus could do no miracle in Nazareth except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. You know what the rule of engagement is? Because Jesus could walk into any village he wants. Hey, come here. Come here. Hey, just like a Pentecostal healer. Hey, gotcha. Next, gotcha. He could have healed the whole village, but he cannot. The rule of engagement is if they do not believe, if there's no faith, this miracle worker has no grounds for exercising that power in our midst. And by the way, the miracle worker was not exercising his own power. It was all borrowed. The same power that you will have as you walk with God. Same power. Wow. Keep going. Paul's explanation that Satan hindered him. Satan. Those are his words. Satan hindered me. I would have come. But Satan hindered him and his traveling companions from going to the Thessalonians as desired. What's going on here? There's one more, and I want to go to this one. Kind of zoom in. And this is our last uh, zoom in here. Jesus' statement to Peter, Satan has demanded permission to sift you. And if you have the translation that says you, it's, it's you all. And isn't that amazing? Satan has asked for permission. You can't just walk in here and do that. No, I want these. These are the 12 closest friends he has, partners on earth. I want access to them. I want full-blown access. None of this little pussyfooting around and keeping me at bay. I need to get at them. I'll take all 12 of them. I'll take one of them. He's gone. I already have him. Satan was, has, Judas has already sold out to Satan. I got one. I want the other 11. I want the other 11. Satan has asked for permission. How did you know Jesus? Holy Spirit must have told him. 
you got a battle on your hands. It's not just you they're fighting for. They're going for everything you've touched, including these 12. They already have one. Look out for the 11. In fact, let's just, let's, let's just take a look at it. Come on. Luke 22. Let's read that verse again. Luke 22. Jesus speaking. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, requested permission to sift all of you as wheat. NIV is correct there. All of you. He's going to put you through the grinder. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked permission. And by the way, isn't this, like, isn't this like Satan? What did he do? What did he do in the council room in Job 1? He says, let's revise the rules. What's he doing right near the end of Jesus' life? He says, let's revise the rules. I want access to all of these. Do you understand? You're not playing fair if you don't give me access. And God keeps revising the rules. He said, okay, no farther. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Peck him again. There will be times when God must not be exercising all his power. He has to pull it in. Come on, pull it in. We've got to equalize this a little more. Pull it in. And the enemy must be afforded some genuine freedom, power, and jurisdiction that is not removed capriciously, but is governed by some rules of engagement known to both parties, the details of which are not revealed to us. Something's going on again. Of course, he's going to kill the Messiah. We understand that. But he has a bigger net he wants to throw. And he's asked permission. Can I have access to these guys? Without interference from your, your, your juniors. All right. Ron Cuse in his wonderful book. Just came out last month, brand new. Title of the book, In the Name of Jesus, Power to Pray for People and Places. We're going through it in our uh, House of Prayer Grow Group on Wednesday nights. You can join it. You, have, you, you can join the study. You, you, you'll need to join the Grow Group as well. Cousay writing here. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now, Cousay's going to react to this. Keep, there's one more verse. But I, Jesus says, I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Somebody was praying for Peter that night. Somebody was praying for Peter. I wonder if he prayed for Judas, but Judas went too far. Couldn't get him back. I have prayed for you. <sighs> Ron Cuse, both Satan and Jesus knew Peter better than he knew himself. Is that true about you and me too? <laughs> they do. They know us better than we know ourselves. If he could get Peter, a leading disciple of Jesus, to apostatize, Satan could boast that God's promises and government were just as bad as I've been telling you since the beginning of this war. Haven't I told you? Look, you got this guy that's the closest that he's ever had anybody to him. And look at what has turned out to him. I'm telling you, I've been right all along. You liar. You liar. But that's Satan for you. No other disciple that we know of prayed for Peter that night. You think any of the others were praying for Peter? No. <laughs> the intercessor that made a difference that night, that day, was, guess who? It's Jesus. Oh, man. Would you, would you just love it if Jesus prayed for you? 
I mean, if Jesus would put my name on his lips and I would hear that, I would melt. And I would give my life to be true to that prayer. I would give my life to be true to that prayer. Guess what? He prays for you. Every day. Prove it. Okay, I will. Hebrews 7.25, write this down and never forget it. Hebrews 7.25, how does it read? Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he... What's the next word? What's the next word? Always. How, how, how long is always? Is it the 24 or the 7? It's 24-7, isn't it? He will always live to intercede for you and me. Simon, Simon, Satan, Satan has wanted you, but the maker of all things wants you more. And I have loved you. He hates you. I have loved you. And I'm going to show it to you by dying. If you were the only one to die for on this planet, I have loved you more than he. Wow. Therefore, is able to save to the uttermost. Jesus always lives to make intercession for you and me. Simon, Simon. Shauna, Shauna. Alex, Alex. Dwight, Dwight. Satan has asked for you, but I want you more. And I love you. And if you give me permission, I'll save you. Wow. And this, my friends, is the provocative second rule of engagement. There are just two of these free choices. One, this is number two. And here's how it works. I'll show you before I put it up on the screen. Here's how it works. When God places a man on your mind, when God places a woman on your mind, when God places a teen on your mind, when God places a child by name on your mind, do you know what God is doing? He's saying, I need some help right now. I need some help right now. I need you to pray for this person. I need you to intercede. Please. The person doesn't know that I'm doing this. The person has no idea that you would respond to this. The person is under attack by the enemy right now. This person is off limits to me right now according to the rules of engagement. But I need you to pray for her. Pray for him. And don't stop praying until I tell you. That's what's going on. Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you by name. When you are converted. Wow. Because you see, God who knows he's not being prayed for by her. <laughs> he's not being prayed for by him. God, if God were to show up right that, yo, excuse me. What brings you to this corner of the neighborhood? Did anybody, I don't, I don't hear anybody even calling for you. Isn't that funny? Nobody here is even thinking about you. Nobody in this room right now. You do not belong here. Do you understand? You remember the great values of free choice? This is your value and we are free to inform you you are not wanted in this place. God knows he is not wanted. God knows he is not chosen by anybody in that room. But do you know what God has? He has one more rule of engagement. And he throws it down on the table. I know she's not praying for me and to me. I know he's not praying for me or to me. But guess what? I have a personal friend who is praying for her right now. That friend is begging me. 
to do something in her life and to honor my friend, Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. To honor my friend, I am here. What was that word again? Did you use adios with me? I meant that to be adios for you. Goodbye. Shoom. He's gone. You know why? Second rule of engagement. Oh, scribble this down. First, let me show you a line from the great apocalyptic classic that defines this war that we're in. I'm going to show you the line, then I'm going to show you the rule. Here's, here, here, here is the uh, great controversy line. Just one sentence. Write this number down. 525, 525, 525. It is a part of God's plan to grant us an answer to the prayer of faith, that which he would not bestow, did we not ask. There are some prayers that will never be answered until they are prayed. You've been carrying that prayer in your heart for a long time. Well, you know, I got to pray for her. Yeah, I'll get back to it. I got to pray for him. Yeah, no, I'll get back to it. There are some prayers that will never be answered unless the prayer is prayed. And that prayer releases God to do what he could not do had he not been asked. You know what it's called? Proxy prayer. Never forget it. Proxy prayer. When God comes to you and he says, I want you to pray for her. I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray. He's asking you to step in as a proxy. You say, Dwight, what's a proxy? Oh, they use this in law all the time. In the courtrooms, proxy this, proxy that. Proxy is a substitute. I'm stepping in on behalf of this individual, and I will pray for her. I will pray for him, and I will pray until I see that God has intervened and saved this person. My, 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 my. Are you serious? Simon, Simon. Simon, I have prayed for you. Wow. He's serious. You know, what I'm, you, know, you, know, you know the deal with our praying, don't you? Here's how we pray, you and me. We cry like this little baby to God. God, I need more stuff. I just need stuff. God, give me this, give me this. God, give me this, give me that. God, do this for me. God, save me here. Give me through this exam. Give me through life. God, just keep doing stuff for me. Our prayers are the most self-centered monologues on the planet. Why? Because that's all I'm thinking about. This militant weapon represented by the line on the screen, proxy prayer, is declaring that when I turn my attention off of me and I focus it on you, I release supernatural nuclear power intervention because the Almighty can say, Dwight's praying. You got a problem with this? He's praying. You know he's praying. And God steps in. Proxy praying, that's what it is. George Mueller, Ron Cluzet tells this story that I'll end with George Mueller. Wild and partying young man in his early 20s. Somehow in all that partying, he met Jesus. Unbelievable, he met Jesus and he gave his heart to Jesus. He became a friend of the eternal. And he, he was so burdened for the orphans, the street kids. They were all over England at the time. And he said, God, I, I've got to raise up these orphanages. And so he said, but here's the deal. I'm not going to ever, ever, ever ask for a penny, a shilling. I'm not going to ask for it. I'm, I'm going to depend on you moving other people to give, and I'll receive that way. He spent his life 
never asking once publicly or privately, give me something, give me a little help for my, my ministry. Never once. By the end of his life, he raised the equivalent of 150 million U.S. dollars without ever asking for a penny. 150 million? This university would love to have that. Huh? He never asked for a penny. He prayed for it. Well, when he was 39, he remembered five of his buddies during those wild partying days, five buddies, and he knows them by name. And he says, God, I'm going to begin praying for these boys. They are my, they are my friends. I'm going to pray that you save them. And he began at the age of 39, praying every single day for these five. And after 18 months, one of the boys got saved and came to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now he's got four to pray for. And he prays with his heart every single day. For these four, by name, five years more, and another one of his friends becomes a Christian. Now he has only three buddies to be praying for. And now he's praying with all of his heart. And somebody once asked him, you know, when you're praying, what, 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 are, you, what are you thinking? He said, and I'm quoting him now, I hope in God and I look for the answer. That's what I'm doing. I'm just hoping in God and looking for the answer. And after five years... And another six, that's 11. Number three, get saved. Now, decades go by. Hold on. Decades go by. Muter will live to be 93 years of age. For 54 years, he's been praying from 39 to 93. He's been praying for these two friends. And just before Miller di Mueller dies, the fourth one comes to Jesus. Hallelujah. And a few years after his death, the fifth one came. Isn't that something? Oh, wait, what was that? What was that line? What was that line from Great Controversy? It is a part of God's plan to grant us an answer to the prayer of faith, that which he would not bestow, did we not thus ask. Do you have some people that need to go on your permanent list in intercession before the Almighty? And by the way, when you pray for whoever it is you're praying for, guess what? Who else is praying? Jesus is praying for her. Isn't Jesus praying for her too? So that's you and Jesus. That is a majority in this universe. You and Jesus, always a majority. You never pray alone. Jesus is already at it. He just needs a human to say, I give you permission. Please, save her. Wow. It is a part of God's plan to grant us an answer to the prayer of faith, that which he would not bestow, did we not thus ask. Proxy praying. That's your weapon that you go home with today. Put a little list together. You don't, have to have, you don't have to have 100 people on it. You don't have to have 30 on it. Start out like Mueller. Maybe five is too much for you. You got four lost people you know? Three? Anybody have two? Just put the names of some people that you long to see Jesus intervene in and know that the rules of engagement have been holding him back because she doesn't want it. He is not asking for it, but I am begging you, Jesus, save him now. Just pray that way with two on your list and put God to the test. See if he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out on that friend of yours one day all the pent-up salvation power that has been waiting to save that boy, save that girl. Does this make sense to you? Is this guy confusing to you? Well, I don't know what to do now. 
No, you leave. You leave with what the maker of all things demonstrated that he mastered. And it is Simon, Simon, I am praying for you. Private proxy praying. Let's go to the connect card here. PMChurch.org slash connect. Here we go. I want to pray like Jesus. Lord, teach me how to pray like you. I wish I had that YouTube video, Jesus, but I've seen you pray 12 times in the book of Luke. I just want to pray like you. I want prayer to be my natural response to life. Box two. I'm deeply grateful to learn, Jesus, Hebrews 7.25, that you pray for me day and night. You pray for me day and night, Jesus. I thank you. I put a check mark there. Box number three. I want to prepare a select list of people I will join Jesus in praying for until God answers my prayers. Come on up, singers. Until God answers my prayers. I want to put a list together. Put a check mark there. You're not promising me. You're not promising anybody. But you're telling God, I'm going to have a militant proxy prayer list. And I'm putting the names here, Jesus, and I'm going to come back every day. I tell you what, I, I, I try this. This, this is, this is uh, uh, truth in advertising. Truth in advertising. The devil knows about your list. So he'll set up your little worship moment alone with Jesus to somehow just... little fog, whatever it is. He just, I forgot. I, oh, man, I forgot today. What was, I, what was I thinking? Oh, by the way, when you remember, you don't have to do it when you're having worship in the morning. You can do it any time during the day. If you only got two names, that shouldn't be too tough. But I'm telling you, it's the discipline of coming back. George Mueller, I, I'm in awe. 54 years of coming back to a list that gets smaller and smaller. But he learned that his father was dependable. And the father who gave all the money, $150 million worth to him, is the father that would be at work at these five. And he never quit. Don't you ever quit. There's somebody that needs you to be praying for her today, needs you to be praying for him today. And it may be that right now a name popped into your mind. That's the Holy Spirit right there. Just take that name. The moment you said, is there somebody, Holy Spirit, I should be praying for? Boom, it just popped into your mind. What do you need him? To write it on a piece of paper and hand it to you? Hand it? No, you got the name already. Get another two or three. And hang on to this list until Jesus comes or your prayers are answered, whichever comes first. Does that make sense? Oh, Father. Rules of engagement. It makes all the sense in the world now to us, thanks to Job and Jesus. Free choice. We wouldn't have it any other way. No, we wouldn't. But proxy praying, that's what Jesus mastered. And the master of all things loves and wants me, and I want to master what the master of all things has mastered. Let me, be, let me be a proxy prayer, I pray. For you I am praying. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. For you I am praying, my friend. I am praying for you. I am praying for you. Amen. Amen.